the show my name is brian with me as always is chris and uh we're here for our uh, our yearly tradition at this point which is to run down some of our favorite music of the year um in our pre-show conversations both of us had talked about just how 2020 was a, i mean <laughs> breaking news 2020 was a weird year guys and um it was a year that we didn't necessarily listen to as much new music as as we normally do i still listen to a lot of new music but i feel like I don't know. I don't. I don't think the bands I really love put out great records this year. They put out good records, but there weren't a ton of records that stood out to me this year. Do you kind of feel the same way, Chris? Yeah. Um, some of the albums that we'll talk about in the episode here, uh, I really do feel strongly about. So I, I guess um, it's a little bit more of a difference in just a lot of those bands didn't put out records in 2020 and may not have been planning to do it anyway. Um, but there's, there's a little bit of that. Uh, just as one example, Tam and Paula put out a record uh, and you know, they're, I, w- I wouldn't put them in like the upper, upper echelon of, of bands, but they are a band I've listened to quite a bit, especially over the last two years. And they put out a record yet as if you can hear him yet is making an appearance because he really wants to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's Yoda the Bronx Yorkie on Instagram, everybody, if you want to see pictures of my crazy dog. <laughs> uh. Anyway, but just as an example, Tame Impala put out a uh, a record early in the year. And it's not bad, but it just didn't really do much for me. Um, so that is not in my list for this evening. So that, that one I can relate to of like, okay, a band that I've pretty reliably liked uh, not my favorite record of theirs. And then there's just a lot of other bands that didn't put one out. Yeah. Um, I You know, s- some bands I really do enjoy put out records this year, and maybe those are records that will eventually grow on me. But um, I have found this year that, I mean, and this is just a continued use thing, but, like, the more that I've played around with Spotify this year, the more that Spotify has gotten crazy good at figuring out the things I like. And so the Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify has been giving me so much good stuff this year, but a lot of it is older stuff or like records by bands that I know, but I don't know that record, you know? And so um, there just hasn't been a ton of things that, and also I was trying to avoid if possible things I already spoke about either on the show or we did a series of Amazing Avenue recommends posts this year about music. So I am going to talk about one of the records that I talked about in that Amazing Avenue recommends article. Um, but aside from that, you know, we're, we're each going to pick two records that came out, sorry, three records that came out this year and two records that did not come out this year, but we discovered this year. Um, and so hopefully we give you all some some good stuff to check out in the waning hours of 2020. And um, Chris, why don't you go first? What's your first pick? So I'll go with one that I, I know I talked about <clears throat> on an episode. My, for my new ones, if, if you're a dedicated listener, uh, I, I think I've touched on the 2020 records all uh, during our other episodes this year. So uh 
you know, if you did, thanks for listening to all the episodes <laughs> and sticking around to the very end for all the music recs because that that's a fun thing that we get to do. Um, I'm actually realizing just right now, I only recommended five records from 2020 on mm. our show this year. All of my yeah. records have been older ones, so that <laughs> maybe that's why I've been able to uh, come up with a couple more for this show. Nice because of that. So yeah, uh, but yeah, not all of my recommendations are Australian, although they lean <laughs> that way. Uh, and and the first one I'll go with is uh, an album called High Risk Behavior by a band called The Chats. And uh, to your point, Spotify was the first place I heard their music or knowingly heard their music. Um, you know, that's one of those things. Uh, I, I had a funny moment in, in conversation with uh, Brock Mahan, who used to write for the site uh, and longtime readers or anyone who pays attention to this date in Mets history will still know his name from, you know, the, the yeoman's work he did <laughs> on that series. Uh, but in, in conversation with him, I had a moment uh, the first time, I knowingly saw Parquet Courts live. Uh, you know, the the four of us were at the show, and at, at some point I'm like, oh, these guys would be great at Solid Sound, Wilco's Festival in Western Massachusetts every other year. Uh, and he said, oh, I think they played Solid Sound in 2013 or 15 or whatever it was. And I went back and looked at the, uh, you know, the flyer, uh, the, the lineup flyer from that year, and I was like, oh, Yep, they did. So <laughs> for all I know, the chats might have been at GizFest in 2017 in, in Melbourne or uh, played somewhere, you know, in like in between band uh, sets, you know, in a, in a mix. But this record, I have to give credit to the algorithm. Uh, you know, it just came up on either, you know, the, the weekly uh, Discover Weekly or you know, starting a radio uh, station based on a song on Spotify. One of those two things that spits out music um, that you might like. So that's where that came from for me. And it's just like, a you know, well-produced, good sounding, like raw vocals in particular. Um and a lot of catchy songs. There's one or two songs toward the end of the record that I will say that I'm like, okay, these are like standard, um, you know, your fa- your favorite local friends bands uh, have a, have a classic punk sounding punk song, you know, um, and and they'd fit into that. So it does it tails off a tiny bit at the end, but. There's a song called Identity Theft on there. And, and I know I mentioned this when we talked about it back you know, earlier in the year. But I, I still stand by that song, Identity Theft, is one of the catchiest punk songs I've heard in, in a while. And definitely a standout song for me uh, from this year. Uh, so, you know, and, and one thing I'll say, too, and, and I don't mean this as a, as a dig at any other band that's Australian or English or whatever. Uh, but a lot of times vocals from English uh, singing singers, uh, English speaking singers, I should say, sound like American English because so much of the music they're influenced by is American music. Um, and that's fine. That That's totally fine. But the chats sound Australian in every word 
that that comes through the vocals there. So uh, I think they're pretty young. I, I I believe the record they put out previously a few years ago was like the year they graduated high school. Um, so as far as I know, they're like twenty. I might be a little bit off. Wow. But uh, but yeah, that's my first one. Um this really should be said off air. Make sure to give me that song title later. So when we make the playlist that we can put in this episode's post, yes. we can include <laughs> that song in there. Uh, okay. So my first pick, I'll go with the 2020 record. This album just came out last week or two weeks ago. Um, so one of the things that I did this year was a friend and I started a, a record label, which I've talked about on the show before. Uh, Chris's band, the Los Hot Quesos appeared on the compilation we released. Thank you again, Chris, for being a part of that. And uh, in the process, I just sort of got more tuned in with my local music scene here. Um, just checked out a lot of local bands, just, you know, with the thought of maybe doing some shows in the future or just trying to be more of a supporter and a and a, uh, a booster of local music. And so there's a band called Lavender Sky, and it's a, it's a one-man band um, out of, I believe, Bernard's, New Jersey. And he released a record called The White Lighter Album. And the cover is like it looks like a worn vinyl version of the White Album by the Beatles. It claims in the digital liner notes that that album cover is actually Lee Ronaldo's version of the White Album that he like messed with in Photoshop. I don't know if that's um. a joke I don't get or if that's like <laughs> a uh, if that's actually what it is. But um, the the band uh, Lavender Sky, this record was all recorded on a four track cassette tape. And uh, so it, it's pretty lo-fi. It's pretty noisy. I really like it. I, I think it's... Um, I feel like sometimes music that is intentionally lo-fi uses that as an excuse to not to not develop the songs fully or to not take a lot of chances. And, and these songs are really well-written. They do, do, do they take a lot of chances, and they're just really creatively recorded. I... I, I have a couple of his other releases that I bought from Bandcamp over the course of the year, including uh, some live performances, which he does with a loop pedal and I think a drum machine and maybe a backing tape of some sort. But uh, just really, really impressive, really fun stuff. Um, a, it's an artist I would have never come across if I hadn't made that decision to kind of try and seek out some some local Jersey bands. So I'm really glad I did. Um, I look forward to post-pandemic going to see Lavender Sky live. It, it sounds like it'll be a great live show. And um, yeah, that is my first pick, The White Lighter Album by Lavender Sky. Very nice. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> my second one, uh, I should lead off with them every time. I'm just going to assume every time we do one of these, there's going to be an album for me to include. So I wonder uh, who this is going to be. Yeah. Although this could also apply to my next pick because they're also rather prolific in terms of releases. But the less surprising one is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh, the album's called KG. And then technically there's a uh, subtitle experimentation, uh, experimentations in microtonal tuning volume two. Uh, if you look at the album art, it says KG in big yellow letters, and there is a tiny, you know, number two in the bottom right corner. Uh, the backstory on that was that they had put out an album a few years ago now called Flying Microtonal Banana, and they basically 
challenge themselves to get either obtain or build microtonal instruments. I forget exactly what that process was, but they made this whole record. Um, and if you don't know what microtonal music is, and admittedly, I didn't know that word specifically before that album. Um, it, it's a lot of, a lot of it comes out of Asian music and basically as somebody who plays guitar, the easiest way to, for me to explain it is just, there's a lot of extra frets on that neck of the guitar and some of them don't even, you know, some don't necessarily cover, um, or, or go under all of the strings on that instrument, you know? So there, if you look at it, it might just look like irregular intervals, uh, of frets or disjointed, you know, uh, three strings have a, a, like a half fret. If you, I guess if you want to call it that, um, I'm no master of music theory for, for all of this, but, uh, it, it was just something they set out to do is, is kind of a challenge. And I think they, they made a pretty great record doing that. Um, and, and I think a lot of their fans have sort of wanted to hear more of it. And over the course of this year, they, uh, you know, they put out a video with, with one, uh, one of the songs on the record is like, Oh, a new song. Uh, and I remember at the time thinking like, Oh, I wonder if this was a B side from the older record. Uh, and then it turned out they had a new one in the works. Uh, and, and this was it. So, uh, it's got, they're, they're really good at doing something, uh, across their work where they'll tie in melodies or riffs or, uh, uh, just little references to previous things they've done. Uh, and there's a little bit of that in the opening track. So that's a nice nod. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't know about them from day one of their first release, uh, so for me, you know, I, I've had that experience of going back from where I started and being like, oh, wait a second, <laughs> that's where that came from. Okay, cool. Um, so it's, I think it's a record that's made for their fans. And, and obviously you could say that about any album, um, but it's made for people who are already into their stuff and it still has a couple curveballs in there that are just different um you know even though it's in the same spirit of that record from a few years ago they uh they get into like turkish influenced music that sounds nothing like any other song that they've written or recorded before and uh they're a very versatile band you know i mean that the stuff that i'm into the most is the stuff that's uh i'd say moderately heavy you know, they put out a record last year that was like a Slayer record, basically, like Slayer and Motorhead influenced. And and I liked it. It's fun, but it's not like in my top five uh, King Gizzard records. Uh, I mean, to be fair, they released five albums a year. So, yeah, you know. they literally did that one year. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> the, the, they probably should change it up a little bit since they're releasing just so much music. Yeah. But uh, but, you yeah, know, I, I, I recommend checking it out. Um, if you have listened to this podcast and, and taken our music recommendations, uh, to your Spotify or Apple music or, or even better, your favorite place to buy music, uh, you know, from artists or, or at least record stores or their labels, you know, any, anybody who actually pays the bands, I think that's a, (laughs) 
a nice thing to remind everybody. Spotify is great, but you know, if if you really like a band, uh, go buy that record. Especially with something like Bandcamp, which is so easy to use, and right. the money goes primarily to the artist. Yeah, and on a Bandcamp yeah. Friday, it's always it's also the artist. Yeah, and it's nice that like Bandcamp has that. Okay, you buy stuff, it keeps it in the library. There's an app. You can access the music that way on your phone, um, and then you can download MP3s, FLAC files, you know, the whole gambit of, uh, you know, whatever digital file format is your preference. If you're still somebody like me who likes to have those things mm-hmm. and the ability to put them on whatever device and whatever speaker I want, uh, you know, without a subscription. Even though I have a subscription to Spotify. Yes, same. <laughs> but Spotify may not have everything, and and you're paying Spotify. Um, so that's just a, a reminder um, on, on that front. But, yeah, I forget where I got into that tangent. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's on Spotify. If you oh, that, This is what it was. If you have listened to any of the other King Gizzard recommendations. Uh, one, this might be different than that, or, or two, you might have your opinion of the band one way or the other already. Um, but if you do like anything they've done before, or if you haven't uh, you know, started to try, start here. Why not? They're, they're like, I didn't start at the beginning. You know, Start here and, and hear this. And then and if you're intrigued, keep going back. Um, it, it's kind of fun to get to do that or make that recommendation to me with a band that is currently producing so much music because I think as a music fan, um, you know, especially late high school, college, uh, you know, and even a little bit earlier than that, I, I guess it started, but just that experience of hearing something that is contemporary and either digging further back into that band itself or that band's influences to find more. You, you can always find more. Um, so to be able to do that with a band uh, that is still making records right now, um, you know, that that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, it's I think everybody who's into rock music has that experience of going through you know, all the big stuff, the Hendrix records, Led Zeppelin, all that, you know, um, that sort of reverse chronological dig into something. And this is the 16th studio album they've put out. So, In how many years? <clears throat> um, Approximately. Yeah, about seven, eight, nine. Wow. I, I mean, it's because they put out five in a year. Um you know, they started on a, on a slightly more normal pace, eight years, 16 records. And by normal pace, I mean four, no, five albums in their first three years. <laughs> and then they had uh, 2017 was the monster year with five records in a year. Um, so, yeah, there you go. There you have it. That that is not a normal pace, by the way. Just gonna keep keep reiterating no. that to you. <laughs> um, no, it is not the Nine Inch Nails or Radiohead pace. No, I mean certainly not. You know, th- there were a couple of years there where some of my favorite bands were putting out like a record a year, and that felt like a treat to me. I I, I legitimately don't know 
if I could absorb five records by my favorite band in a year. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing was that that coincided with when I, like when we really got all in on them. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it's, uh, oh, hey, this is one of my new favorite things. And now they're just pouring out a ton more <laughs> right, right. at that time that you're the most hungry for it. Yeah. Hungriest for it. I know. I know how to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> uh, okay. So since you already mentioned the case, I was somebody, uh, one of the many quote tweet things on Twitter um, that a friend of mine, former coworker responded to was, uh, what's the first random line of dialogue, i.e. non-catchphrase from uh-huh. The Simpsons that, that pops into your head? Um <laughs> So he answered, and then I, I, I said, any member of the Quesos is required to answer this with uh, welcome back, space girl. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess there's a couple of mine, a couple for me, rather. One of them is, like, one of the best line deliveries in television history is Marge is complaining to Homer about something, and he just goes, yeah, syrup is better than jelly. Like He's not listening to her <laughs> at all and just <laughs> releases that. And, and the way he says that line makes me laugh every single time. So <laughs> that's one of them. And then I just last week watched Marge Be Not Proud, Marge Not Be Proud, which is the second Christmas episode where Bart steals the video game. Do you know that episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Bart is having a, like, He's dreaming about what Christmas at Juvenile Hall will be like. And there's like a sad Santa behind a glass window giving out terrible gifts. And Santa goes like, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. So the saddest Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And whenever anybody says that phrase, that's the way I hear it in my head. So that's probably just a <laughs> seasonal one. But that's uh, that's yeah. that's the one in my head right now. So That's yeah. good. The Simpsons is great, guys. Old Simpsons is the best. And it's all on Disney Plus. Yes, it is. Make sure you set the aspect ratio to uh, the original. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like everybody listening to this knows knows that already, but you know, just in case. (laughs) Just in case, it is a good bit of uh, it's a nice PSA to give out there. So, all right. So my second 2020 album is going to be um, by a band I found on Bandcamp on one of the Bandcamp Fridays. I don't know. I supposedly, not supposedly. That sounds like I'm like I'm doubting this. Like supposedly, this is true. No, this is true. Uh, the 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 originator of this band, a guy named Luke Stewart, has a long like he he's one of the I guess the most respected uh, jazz bassists jazz bassists. It's a hard word to say. Uh, working today, his name is Luke Stewart, and he was asked for a festival to put together a a band lineup. And um, he did so, and I bl- I don't know if the festival was called the Exposure Festival or whatever, but the the band is called the Luke Stewart Exposure Quintet, um, and uh, sorry, Exposure Quartet. I gave them an extra member there, and it's um I, I I'm gonna look this up now because I don't want to mess up the lineup of the of the band. Uh, no, it was Quintet. I was right the first time. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Um, it is uh, um, Luke Stewart on bass, um, Edward Wilkerson Jr. on reeds, uh, Ken Vandermark on reeds, Jim Baker on piano, and Arvail Ra on drums. And it's um, it, it's relatively free jazz. It, it, it has more structure than maybe your traditional free jazz stuff does, but it's it's certainly nice and loose. And 
parts of it sound to me a little bit like some of Charles Mingus's more out there stuff. Not maybe because that's it's another, another bass player composer. So maybe that's where I'm hearing that. Uh, but all the songs are quite long. The shortest song on the record is 10 minutes. The longest one is broken up into parts one and two. Part one is 18 minutes. Part two is another 15 minutes. Um, but it's a it's a really 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 electric sounding jazz record. The 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 reed players, the two saxophonists, really play off each other really really nicely, and the rhythm section gets locked into a groove. And I, you know, jazz is something I listen to a lot of, but I I tend to go through phases where I listen to more or less of it, and I don't know, I don't sort of have my trigger for what leads me in or out of a jazz phase, but I've been in a pretty big jazz phase right now, and the the, the first track on this, Awakening the Masters, which is that 10-minute shortest track, has been like an, in constant rotation for me since I heard it. It's just this sort of slow, slow building jazz number, and the reeds kind of act as like waves that just roll through the song. It's, it's really, really great. And uh, I am trying to get better about being up on modern jazz. I don't mean that in terms of a style. I just mean folks who are making jazz today. I feel like so many of the touchstones that I'm aware of are from the past. I don't even mean like I, mean, I listen to plenty of Coltrane and Mingus and Monk and all that. But I even mean like 10 or 15 years ago. You know, I'm a big fan of the Bad Plus. Uh, there are a number of, of sort of newer-ish jazz artists that I'm aware of, but I find that I don't have a ton of friends, uh, Chris excluded, who listen to a lot of jazz, and so I don't often get jazz recommendations. It's actually the same way I feel about hip-hop at this point in my life, where I don't have enough friends who listen to new hip-hop to, to feed me suggestions. I wind up sort of falling back on the things I've, I've always listened to, but um, Luke Stewart is involved with a bunch of different bands and I've been slowly exploring his discography and then checking out some of the other players in this record so other things on this label you know just it, it's an, it's nice to find sort of a new artist that, that that can then be the center of a pinwheel for you where you can just go out on the spokes and find the different things they're connected to so that's how I feel with Luke Stewart right now and so um, again it's called Luke Stewart Exposure Quintet highly recommended nice yeah I like that I like the spokes analogy there thank you <laughs> uh so third from 2020 for me uh would be another band that puts out records a lot <clears throat> um and also changes its name uh not drastically but tweaks its name confusingly yeah uh thankfully places like spotify uh or I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has done it, but Spotify has at least corralled it all into one place and then lists the variations of the band name there. <laughs> but OCs, uh, which I think currently they're going with uh, just one word, O-S-E-E-S. -E -E uh, sometimes it's OCs, O-H space, S-E-E-S. -E uh, and when I first heard of them, the OCs, which they will probably roll back out soon. <laughs> uh all of that, I'd love to know. I like it's fun, it's unique. Maybe that's it, but maybe there's some extra level of like why you would troll everybody by doing that. <laughs> I'd love to know that story. Um, but they put out a record, Protean Threat. I recommended it earlier this year on, on an episode. Um, and 
it's it's just really damn good. Uh, they they've been on a run now for a few years, where if you go back to like their earliest stuff, it doesn't you know it doesn't sound. I don't want to say not like the same band, but um, they've just sort of hit this groove where it's like, oh yeah, that's an OC's record. Um, you know, you you'd know it without hearing the vocals. You you know, you know it almost instantly, and um, just just from the style of what they're doing. And I guess every band has that to some extent, but it's hard to really like get into that mode um and they're doing it in a way that it's still unique like i mean absolutely zero disrespect to motorhead (laughs) their late records were a hell of a lot of fun uh but you know they all sounded like motorhead records and they weren't that different from each other even though they were a lot of fun um so they're they're just sort of in this I don't know. Uh now I feel like I might be forcing the analogy since I liked yours, but th- <laughs> this is like two thousand uh five through no, five wasn't great for him. Um let, let's go with two thousand six through eight, Carlos Beltran. Okay. You know. He wasn't the youngest player on the team, but he was still absolutely in his prime. Um so, you know, they've been around for a while. They've they've put out records for many years at this point but they're they're not old by any means and i really do think like their last five or six records and especially their last three are uh, like just a continued peak of uh, just being impressed you know that they that they're putting this stuff out um this frequently and this con- and with this consistent quality so um it's funny. The first track on the record is is it it's good, but it's almost re- it's recorded in a way that it's like intentionally, and and you'll hear this on albums, um, somewhat regularly. Like the there's a an intro that sounds either a little bit lo-fi or a little bit distant, or the volume is low. Uh, my favorite example of that would be songs for the deaf, Queens of the Stone Age. You know, it starts with like the little ding, ding, like car sounds uh-huh, Yeah, that, that your lights are on or your door is open and, you know, and it's quiet for like 10, 15 seconds and then it blows up. This is it's not exactly that um, kind of thing. But if you listen to the first song and you're just like, what's going on? Um, Wilco's Star Wars record uh, had the same sort of thing with a very... Um, not abrasive, but just uh, uh, like it's not opening with a catchy song, you know. Uh, so it does that, and then it sort of kicks into gear, uh, protein threat that is, and like from start to finish, it's just so damn good. Uh, and I'll give honorable mentions to both of the sets they did, um, where they recorded them out outdoors, no audience. Just you know, a couple of cameras and really good recording equipment uh, during the pandemic. Uh, one is their levitation sessions, which is available uh, to check out, and then the other one was uh, live at the Henry Miller Library in Big Sur um, outdoors. You know, I didn't actually see a library in the <laughs> in the video part, but I think they're both available. Um, 
you know, to obtain the audio of. So a little bonus recommendation there. But I, I would say that I've listened to the OCs more this year than probably the last two or three years combined. Um, so it's definitely been like a, a deeper dive into them. And uh, and this record is is definitely up there for me. There's one older record called Orc that I might like a little bit better, um, but that's you know that that's pretty. It's a high compliment on on my list in my brain. Yeah, um, they're one of those bands that I feel like once you get into a groove, it, it's it's kind of like King Giz in that way where if you like one album you can probably find two or three others that are similar to that. And then you find, like, oh, all I've listened to for the last week has been OC's records. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's very easy to, to like to get into a bingy mood with their stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, so my last uh, 2020 band, as uh, so we're going to mention three 2020 records and then two albums we discovered in 2020 that aren't from this year. Uh, my last one is a band, again, from New Jersey, got rep the Garden State, called Pine Grove. And, and this is a band that I I kind of gave up on, not for any reason musical. There was a there was a there an incident that happened a couple of years ago, and I don't want to get into it because a lot of it is conjecture. But they were going to release an album, and the release of the album was all of a sudden canceled, and the singer had released a statement that he had been in a, like a, I want to say he had used the term like he had coerced somebody. It was this very, very vague language that made him sound like he did something absolutely terrible, and the band was canceled and over. And then there was this whole big sort of article, I, I think it was at Pitchfork, but I, I, it might be at Spin. It was so, some sort of major publication that basically said that what happened was that he was in a relationship with somebody who was in another relationship. Like he was basically the other man in a relationship. And there was this person who was posing as a therapist who was saying to touring bands, like, hey, if you need free therapy... I understand like being on the road is incredibly hard. I will be your therapist for free. And so he went to this person as a therapist, I guess spoke about the situation and she had convinced him like, oh, you're a terrible person. You have to cancel your record release. You have to do all this stuff. And he did. And then it turns out she's not a licensed therapist. It was this like weird scam she was pulling on punk bands and, and other indie bands to like get into their inner circles. It's a really fucked up situation. It's weird. Regardless, I, when I had first heard that they had canceled their record, I was like, oh, well, that's a shame. I really loved the first two Pine Grove records, and it's a shame that he's a creep. Well, I don't know if he's not a creep, but he's less of a creep than I thought he was. <laughs> and so this is a long-winded way to say it. they released an album this year called Marigold. They released it back in January. And it's really, really great. Um, uh, Pine Grove does this sort of like lilting, sort of alt country inspired indie rock that's just really pretty and uh, just great songs. He's uh, the, the the singer songwriter. His name's Evan. Is one of my favorite, just like straight up pure songwriters that I found over the last ten years. I think his songs are really strong. They're usually pretty simple. And just really, really lovely. And seeing them come back into the public 
view in a way that, you know, I, I think he still thinks that, you know, I, he has said that he regrets the situation with the person who was dating somebody else. You know, he, he did not set out to be a relationship ender or anything like that. But just the fact that they were able to come back from that and make some really good records. And he has gone to a lot of therapy and has talked about it. I feel he's a better person because of this. So he seems like a dude who made a mistake but has atoned for it. And I know this is a lot of preamble, but I think you hear on the album sort of the struggles that he was going through. You hear him grappling with who he is as a person. And the the record that came out of it is not angry. It's not um it's not bitter. It's 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 really kind of actually life affirming. It, it's it's hard to say. But the album came out pre COVID and I thought it was this really positive record pre COVID. And now let's do it. There's the last the penultimate song on the record is called Neighbor. And um it's about loving your neighbor. It's like a very sweet, simple song, but it's it's been maybe my most played song of 2020 because it is just a positive, life-affirming song. And then that bleeds into the title track, which is this like five-minute-long electric guitar drone that I think is equally beautiful. Um, so, yeah, again, it's a little weird to be recommending a band that was quasi-canceled, but I promise you listeners, if... If I felt that this was anything suspect, I would never support this band through word or deed. But uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm the more I talk to him, when I'm gonna get myself in trouble with somebody. I, 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 I like this album a lot. <laughs> I believe the guy. That's all. Marigold by Pine Grove. Nice. Modern life is hard, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Turning the clock back a little bit for recommendation number four. Uh, I had recommended their more recent record at some point earlier this year. And Brian and I listened to it in a rental car in Florida on our way back to the airport. Um, Remember that? For, for, for the last thing we <laughs> we did, really. Um the last time I was out in a social setting was that that night in Florida uh, at, you know, Met Spring Training. Um, that feels like so long ago. It really uh, does. But yeah, anyway, the, um, the band's called Meat Bodies. They put out a record called Alice, which was the one that I recommended earlier this year, which was uh, three years old, I think, at the time, roughly. Pretty sure it was a... 2017 record and in talking about that record with friends who knew them better than I did at that time or um, you know whatever uh, a lot of them said that they they liked their first one even more not that they just liked that one but that they liked the first one more it's it's close um, for whatever reason the more recent release had just clicked and become addictive to me Uh and I think my favorite couple of songs are definitely still on that one, but the self-titled Meat Bodies record that came out in 2014 um, definitely has just a really good energy to it throughout. Uh, and then once I started to listen to it more and more and more and more, um, you know, Letter kind of uses one of its songs. Uh, you know, as, as music to coincide with the scene and 
I don't know if I really knew the record well first or saw that episode first, but you know, once that clicked that there was that little link and, uh, and it worked really well in the show and I'm like, wait, I know that, I know that song. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, something I've said a few times in, in conversations with, with my wife about music this year. Um, and I think it, it, it could apply to OCs as well. Um, and, and I think it, it certainly applies to the meat bodies, especially the self-titled record here. Um, there's nothing that complicated going on. And I, I mean that as a compliment, like, you know, you can, you can play crazy stuff that's got a million different things going on and is not just standard. Um, or you can kind of just play, you know, things that, are relatively straightforward, but do it so well that your songs just jump out um, at the listener. So I, I think that's what this record does. Um, you know, so much of what rock music was in the early nineties was similar in that regard. Um, you know, where it's, it's not just like power chords, like, like, old school punk songs. Um, but there's nothing that complicated going on. And as you listen, you're like, it's not, Oh, anybody could play that. Cause I, I don't think that at all. You know, it's, it's just this feeling of like, Oh, okay. Like I, I can hear, you know, what's going on here and, and you could learn it or whatever, but to create that and have that energy, um, and especially to have that energy come out of a studio, uh, which, you know, uh, lots of great music gets recorded in studios, but to have that feel, uh, come through, uh, and, and really be a band in, in this case where I'm like, damn, I, I can't wait when to see them when live music is safe again, um, because I feel like it'll just be a whole lot of fun. And I, I don't know. I think that's something to celebrate in music. I, I've also, <laughs> you know, streamed several sets from the Village Vanguard this year, which is a very different thing from this. But, uh, but yeah, in the spirit of what I was talking about earlier of going back, this is a band that only has two records. So it's not like I had a whole lot to go back and dig through. But I, I definitely have enjoyed getting back into, or, or, sorry, going back in time and getting into uh, this one. I believe I've seen Meat Bodies live. Nice. Okay. I'm I'm double checking my work here, but yes, in uh, in 2015 there was a a festival called the Four Knots Festival that was held in uh, in New York City, uh, mm. one of the one of the seaports. I forget which one now. But it was um, Super Furry Animals, Stephen Malkmus, Michael Cronin, Screaming Females, Twin Peaks, and Meat Bodies was one of the opening acts for them. So I saw them. They were great. I, I, I thought <laughs> I was just thinking, I think I've seen them before, but I don't want to say that and be dumb. But no, I have seen them. So there we go. Nice. I was not aware of them that day, but I remember really enjoying their set. So um, yeah, that's great. Um, so for my first uh, first pick, I'm going to pick uh, a band that 
I again found on Bandcamp uh, from an article uh, about them, one of their like featured articles, and it's a band from the early '80s, a seven-member band, and I believe I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Pulsa Lama. <laughs> it was a seven-member, all-female, <laughs> nice. all-percussion band. I believe they had a bass player. It, it depends what you read. It sounds like they have two bass players, but I don't really hear that. But like, there's a drummer and then people playing cowbells and whatever, and they're all singing kind of gang style vocals. They call themselves like art punk or performance art, um, but it just it sounds like chaos in a really fun way. I think it would have been super fun to see this band live. Looking at the record cover, it looks like they were all dressed up almost like they were going to like a prom or something. They're all in these like <laughs> fancy dresses, and it just seems like they would have been this amazing, fun uh, live act. There's a song called The Devil Lives in My Husband's Body, <laughs> which is a great title for a song. And uh, it's just like super chaotic energy, uh, tons of percussion, like cowbells and drums everywhere, and these gang vocals. And it's just, I, I, love, I love music that I that I've never really heard before. And I don't mean that like, you know, obviously every band does their own unique stuff. And I I love a bunch of bands that are white guys with guitars. So I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I only listen to the most unique things in the world here. But, you know, <laughs> it's really cool when you find something that just doesn't really have a reference point for you. Like you listen to this and it, it kind of sounds a little bit like when little kids like are at library class and they have a bunch of percussion instruments and they're just stomping mm. around singing. It's just it's just a cool idea. It's it's something I like I said I've never heard before. And I believe some of these people went on to to play on other bands, but I believe some of them didn't. And this is a one time thing. This album was recorded in eighty three. It was only ever played on French radio until this year. It was um it was sort of rediscovered and reissued on, on vinyl and digital. And it's just just a ton of fun. And uh like I said, just an interesting, unusual record. I've never heard anything quite like it. And it's self-titled, and again, the band's name, I believe, is pronounced Pulsalama, possibly Pulsayama. I'm not sure. All right. What's your last pick? Uh, so I am going to not, not totally bend the uh, <laughs> rules of the structure here, but... Um... I still can't believe uh, that it's we're coming up on a year uh, since having gone down to Mexico for a, a festival Boko did down there called Sky Blue Sky, named after that record. Uh, and, and going into it, I was super excited for their sets, of which there were three. Uh, Courtney Barnett did a solo set there that was great. Uh, and Yola Tango did, I think, my favorite set that I've seen them play live. Um, you know, th those were the three bands I was most excited to see going down there, but there were other, you know, other bands that were definitely of interest and, uh, Sharon Van Etten, <clears throat> who I had not gotten into really at all previously. And I will admit that I have not actually listened to this record a ton, but I'm still going to recommend it because it made up the bulk of that set, uh, so this is sort of like a, a reminder to myself to listen to these songs more often uh, because the live set of them was really good. So 
the records remind me tomorrow. It came out in 2019. It was, you know, on a bunch of lists last year. Um, I, I don't think it came up. <clears throat> I know I, I didn't really know it yet at the time, but I don't think it's come up on our, on our podcast, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's just a, the bulk of that set that I saw in January, still technically the same year as the one that we're talking in right now, somehow, uh, was really good. And, you know, tying it all together, listening to this more and then going back to previous records of hers is something that I should do. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's what I've got. <laughs> I, 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 I'm cheating a little bit here on, on, you know, I'm not the expert. I, I couldn't write a book about remind me tomorrow, but, <laughs> but I'm hey, confident. I'm confident that those songs were very solid and, and stood out in a way. And, uh, and and I'll, I'll admit that I I had a you know she posted something about like remember live music or whatever on Instagram and I just left a brief comment that like oh the set at you know at Sky Blue Sky was so great whatever and she liked it and it's one of those stupid little moments that as a fan of music you know you're not like oh my god blown away but you're still like oh that's cool because. You know, she's well known, but she's not like Paul McCartney. Sure. You know? Sure. I believe that she's on Instagram on her own account. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it was just a little moment of like, oh, that's cool. You know, um, because I, I do think, however big an artist is, uh, it is nice when there's that connection, however small it may be, that performing that stuff means as much to them as it does to you as, as the listener out there. And, and a, a throwaway like on an Instagram post is not, you know, not the best example of that, but just little things like that, that you encounter, um, you know, along the way, uh, they, I don't know, they, they stand out. You remember those sorts of stupid things. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, have to say Shannon, Sharon Van Etten, uh, Jersey girl, so got to represent New Jersey again. I'm happy to do there, that. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, my final pick does not represent New Jersey. Uh, unfortunately, I tried, but uh, I want to give some some love to an Argentinian musician I found this year. Her name is Dee Dee Ray, and she is a um, she credits herself with creating the subgenre tango surf. So it's like Argentinian surf music that uses the tango beat. And um, I am a, uh, I, I love surf music. And even though it's not something I listen to all the time, whenever I pick up a guitar, one of the first things I play tends to wind up being surfy. Um, I found out recently, this is a story more for Chris than the listener, but I found out recently there's a guy who lives in my neighborhood who's a drummer who's really into surf music. We're going to start a surf band when the pandemic's over. So that's that's fun, um, and uh, so the the tango beat is is not like it's all that you know. Everybody listening to this podcast, whether they know or not, has heard a tango before. It is not super crazy to have a, a surf song with a tango beat, but it's really cool. And it's um, the record I'm going to recommend is from last year, 2019. It's called Mission Tango Surf or Mission Tango Surf. 
and it's um there are ten bands from all over the the Americas that back her up on this record, and so each song is her with a different uh, band as sort of her her backing band on this. And while there are a lot of originals on it, there are also a couple of covers on it. Um, and now I am absolutely blanking. There's one of them that's very clearly a famous cover. And now I can... Oh, oh, Surfer Girl by the Beach Boys, but it's listed as Chica Surf. So that's why I was confused there for a second. But she has this incredible guitar tone, just... It, Everything you'd want out of a surfy guitar tone, lots of reverb, uh, lots of vibrato, and just her playing is fantastic. And the the tango beat adds a little bit of something different to to a surf sound. And so um, I also feel like, and maybe this is just me stumping for a genre that I really enjoy, but I feel like people never think about surf music anymore. It it seems very dated to the early '60s you know, Dick Dale and uh, the Ventures and stuff like that. But there's been consistently great surf rock being made ever since then. And uh, I think that by adding this more natural to her and her influences, that tango beat, you know, tango is one of, the, I believe it's the official dance of Argentina, you know, just to um, to add that little bit, that little wrinkle to it makes it stand out and be unique. And so, yeah, I recommend everybody check this out. Uh, uh, Mission Tango Surf by D.D. Ray. D-I-D-I-W-R-A-Y. Nice. And I'm looking forward to that surf music. Yeah. I, I, I'm, exci- I'm excited there's a guy who lives locally who I can who I can play some music with if this pandemic ever ends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if. If, exactly. Well, folks, that does it for our final Amazing Avenue audio of the year. Thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Please uh, check out the Spotify playlist we're going to put in the show notes on AmazingAvenue.com so you can sample each of these 10 records, and hopefully something we mentioned is up your alley. So do that. Enjoy that. We appreciate you listening. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can, of course, go to AmazingAvenue.com. We have lots of Mets news. Uh, It's been quiet lately, but Mets news presumably will happen again and will happen soon. And when it does, you can find it at Amazon Avenue, as well as our fantastic podcasts and all the other fun stuff we have worked up for you for this new year. He's on Twitter at Chris McShane. I'm on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Grab this podcast on Spotify, on Stitcher, on uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere there's podcasts, hopefully you can find Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. And remember, until next time, let's go Mets. Happy New Year. Stay safe and wear a mask.